Good morning. It is January the 1st, 2023, a start of a new year. And there is no better place to be than in the house of the Lord, worshiping and praising our Heavenly Father, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came for us. So we want to welcome you to our Sunday morning worship service here at the Winkler Burktaller Mennonite Church. If you're attending as a guest, we pray that you will feel welcome and a part of our service as you worship the Lord with us this morning. To our regular faithful attenders, we pray that you will receive a special blessing as you continue to serve others, worship here at the church, and we appreciate everyone who comes out to serve the Lord and to worship Him. Perhaps you are online and watching the service at home. We pray that our services will be a blessing to you. If you are within driving distance, we encourage you to come and be part of our Sunday morning worship service so that we can get to know you and worship with you together. Our worship service services are being made possible because many faithful faithfully use their gifts and their talents for the Lord. This morning, Carol Anra is on the piano. Helen Reimer is leading the congregational singing. Myron Dirksen is reading the scripture. And Pastor Victor will be bringing the morning message for us. In the background, you might not notice them, but um, there are a number of people who participate. Um, Melissa Rudy is on sound. Um, uh, Stephanie Beatty is running the computer. And Brad Funk is on the video. There's also other individuals who are always working behind the scenes. And we thank each one of those who participate so that as we worship together, the Lord is honored and glorified. As I've already mentioned, we have entered a new year this morning. Therefore, let us focus on the eternal God by praising Him. Psalm 150 contains six verses that ascribe praise to the Lord. Let me read them for you. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with harp, harp and lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with strings and flute. Praise Him with clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I trust that as you have come into the service today, your heart is overflowing with praise to him. He brought us through another year together. There have been problems, there have been difficulties, but God has promised that he'd never leave us or forsake us in our times of trouble. Let's bow in prayer together. Every day is a new adventure, Lord, and you are with us. And especially today, January the 1st, 2023. As we enter the new year, this morning we praise you because you are an awesome God, the creator and sustainer of the world. You are before all things. You are Lord, you are Savior. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Everything is bound up in you and so are our lives. Help us to realize more than ever, we need you every step of the way. We thank you for this past year that you have brought us through its trials, 
tests and blessings. We have experienced your hand of provision and more importantly, your presence as you have led us. Now we pray that you will lead us through this coming year. Give us hearts that are sensitive to your voice and obedient to your calling. As we worship you this morning, help us to place the distractions away from our minds and to focus on you and you alone. Have your hand upon each person so we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Guide and direct the service, our hearts, our thoughts. We give our entire being to you. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. For the first song of this new year, it's a Christmas song, the first one we sing in preparation. So 125 in your hymnal, to us a child of hope is born. is in your bulletin. Will you let me be your servant? That is my wish for all of you for this year.
may be seated. And the next song's number 386 in your hymnal, Heart with Loving Heart United, 386. If you'd take your bulletins with me, please, this morning, and turn to the second page. This Tuesday, 9.30, uh, Women's Prayer Group meeting on Wednesday at 7 p.m., the Education Committee meeting. Committee annual reports. All committee um, chairs are asked to submit their reports, and um, they are due Friday, January the 13th, so please mark that on that calendar and have that in to Susan at that time. There's men prayers time that will be beginning, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday on January 11th. We encourage you to make this a time for men to come out as we pray together and seek his face, and God will do amazing things in our lives and in the church. Sunday morning transportation, we have persons who would like to attend our worship service, but we, they need a ride. Perhaps you can be a person who would give some of those rides. Once again, if you are able to do that, contact Bill Fair. His number is in the bulletin, and we encourage you to do that if um, God has blessed you with health and that you can minister to other individuals. 
Church, family, praise, uh, praises and concerns. Boundary Trails Hospital. There are a certain number of people from our congregation who are there. Mary Duick, Dave Dick, Jeremiah Lexier is there. Um, he is declining in health and he's not, e since yesterday, he is not eating or drinking. He has no immediate family here. And so we encourage you, if you have time, to go and pay a visit and see Jeremiah. He would enc be encouraged with that. And I know that you'll minister to him as you minister to him, the Lord will bless you also. Also in the hospital, Dietrich Martins, John Suderman, and Tina Wheeler be in prayer. Also not listed in the bulletin is Abe Weeb, who is in St. Bonavis Hospital, awaiting heart surgery. Pray that this, um, pray that his breathing will improve and that the surgery will be a success. Now no date has been set for his surgery, so be praying, praying that the right decisions will be made. On the right-hand side of the bulletin, page three, we have a new child in our midst, Maria Elizabeth Ann Betty. And uh, she was born to Keith and Stephanie Beatty on Saturday, December the 10th. Are they here? Do you want to stand up for, for us? <laughs> Let's give her a hand. So this is an exciting time. We have a rose that we want to give to you after the service. We want to encourage you. This is a great time for you and your husband. And the Lord will bless you in many ways through this special blessing. Dora, Dora Peters has passed away, passed away on Tuesday. And we want to be praying for the funeral that will be taking place tomorrow. Tomorrow, um, Bill um, Peters and their family um, are feeling the comforts of the Lord as we pray for them. And this is a time of grieving, but a time of also um, comfort and excitement because we know where Dora is. Next Sunday, January the 8th, we will have deacon. We'll have a deacon commissioning service. The new deacons are Jake Fraze. Jake Clausen, Bill Siemens, and Henry Neufeld. At this time, we're going to call our ushers forward for our morning tithes and offerings. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us into a new year where we can serve you again. We pray that you would draw us to yourselves, to yourself and that, you would see, that we would seek your face in every aspect of our lives. Lord, we thank you for the many different organizations that we have within our church. We thank you for the women's um, prayer group meeting every Tuesday. We ask that you would draw many more women out to pray because we know that your hand is moved through prayer. Lord, we thank you for the men's prayer group that has started to meet on Wednesdays. We ask, Lord, once again, that you would place a burden on these men in the church, that many would come out to join us as we pray together, as we seek direction and your face. We pray for those who are at the Boundary Trails Hospital, Mary Duick and Dave, Jeremiah, Dietrich, John and Tina. Each of these people are suffering in some way. We ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon them, that you would lift them up, and that they would feel your presence 
We pray, too, that many of us from the church here would go and visit them, encourage them, because we know with encouragement, we know that that makes a difference in people's lives. So we give them to you. We thank you for Abe Weeb. And we ask, Lord, while he is at St. Bonavis Hospital awaiting surgery, that your hand would be upon him, that he would feel your peace, your comfort, and grace at this time. And we pray, Father, that as the doctors make the decision of what to do and when to do it, that your hand would be upon them. We thank you for the Beattie family, for Keith and Stephanie, and blessing them with this wonderful daughter, Mariah. I ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon them. Give them strength this day as they raise this special one before you. And we pray that this child, when she grows up, when she comes to the age of accountability, that she will make a decision to follow you and she would place you first in her life. We pray for Bill Peters and his family with the passing of Dora, that you would give them your peace, grace, strength, as they go through this time of grieving, yet a time of rejoicing, because they know she has gone home to be with you. We pray, Father, that you have your hand upon Pastor Victor as he comes and shares the word and that he would be able to speak with clarity so that we will hear, understand, and do your bidding. Thank you for the new year that you have given us. Now we pray, Lord, as we give these gifts back to you, that you would take them, that you would use them for your kingdom. Thank you once again that we have the opportunity to give, and it is a privilege to give to your work and also to see you work in our midst. Go with us now into the rest of the service. May everything that is said and done bring honor and glory to you, and may Christ be lifted up in our midst. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Scripture passages from Paul's letter to the Colossians. We'll be reading out of chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I'll be reading from the New International Version. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. 
whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been, been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Well, from our home to yours, Happy New Year. And uh, as uh, I will say it one more time because today is our Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so here we are at the beginning of a new year, 2023. Beginnings are hopeful. When a child is born, like it is in our, in our church family here for Keith and Stephanie, um, there's great hope for that new young life. Uh, who will she be? What will she do with her life? When a young couple marries, there's, there's hope. Hope that this will be a solid, faithful, God-honoring marriage. One that will produce believing children and responsible citizens. When we take on new jobs or take on a new career, we anticipate the accomplishment of much valuable work, uh, personal advancement, success, and a vocation that we can enjoy. And even as we begin this new year, we expect that good things will happen and that new goals will be reached and uh, set and reached. Beginnings are important. And they're important because at a beginning, we set, we set our course. We launch our thinking and our efforts in a particular direction that will land us where we think we want to go. So this morning I want to talk about beginnings, about setting a course for our life, acknowledging that we get drawn off course by a great many things, and about the place to start when we evaluate our lives and set or reset our course. And where else would we start but with the one who is the beginning and the end? I don't have to tell you that we don't always reach our goals or manage to maintain the course that we set for our lives. Sometimes we lose our focus. Our objectives get lost in the daily grind of life. Maybe you've gotten blown off course by things that are beyond your control. 
like the ship that was carrying the Apostle Paul and 275 others on their way to Rome. When they set sail, they didn't know the storms that were waiting for them, and they got shipwrecked on the island of Malta, and there they had to spend the winter. It was a major upset to the goal of getting to Rome. Maybe some of your aspirations or goals have run aground in a storm. Your direction might have been wrong at the outset. Maybe you didn't want to go where you know you should have. Jonah comes to mind. When God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, Jonah promptly boarded a ship that was heading in the opposite direction, much further away than Nineveh was. <clears throat> and if you don't know where Tarshish is, uh, the, uh, the map I looked at had it pegged at, in Spain, southern end of Spain, modern-day Spain. So he was going, going a long way away. And aren't we just like that sometimes? Somehow we, we know what God wants us to do, but uh, I don't want to go there, and we don't go. We choose something else. Or look at King David. He already had everything a king could want. And then and one day he's out on the king's house and he sees the neighbor lady bathing and he inquires who that is. And uh, he set a bad direction for his life that day. And so he, what ended up happening is this beautiful lady that he saw was the, fr was the wife of his good friend, Uriah. And so not only did he take his wife, he then had his friend killed in battle. A battle that was not his, that was not Uriah's battle, it was David's battle. Uriah was out fighting David's battle, and then David had him killed to cover it up. David and Jonah both acted against their better judgment and headed in the wrong direction. It could be that curiosity is a derailing factor for you. Adam and Eve had good, good relationship with the Lord. They walked with him uh, daily, I imagine. I don't know how often. The Bible doesn't say, but they walked with him together in the garden. And then came the serpent to tempt them into disobedience. Adam and Eve were together, and the, the serpent came and spoke to Eve. And don't you think that that serpent said just the right thing to arouse her curiosity? Did God actually say, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Eve responded correctly. She recited God's command. But the, but the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Hmm, I wonder what that is like. Eve's curiosity got the better of her. And she set a course for her life that I'm sure she regretted to the end of her days. The friendly walks with God were over. Eve got derailed by curiosity. Or look at Solomon. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he wrote about how he tested himself with the pursuit of pleasure, presumably to gain more wisdom. And he said... 
Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. He amassed riches. He launched all kinds of great building projects, gardens and pools and uh, all kinds of things. And he claimed, sorry, he built, built a mighty army with horses and chariots, a thing that, that uh, Deuteronomy says kings should not do. <laughs> he had many slaves, and he also took 700 wives and 300 concubines. The great irony of Solomon's life is that he claimed to pursue pleasure with, these, with his wisdom intact. He claimed that his wise heart was still guiding him while he was exploring what, the value of pleasure. And yet, he lost his wisdom somehow. Uh, maybe, maybe that's the wrong way to say it. His heart was turned away from the all-wise God by all those foreign wives that he took, presumably to build alliances with other nations, but the Bible says that his heart was turned away from the Lord his God. Wow. He got distracted. Curiosity. Maybe you're like me. Uh, I battle distraction. Shiny thing. <laughs> All of a sudden, oh, there's a shiny thing. And then I go look at the shiny thing. <clears throat> we get distracted by all kinds of things. Things that trigger a desire, an impulse, or, or just a preoccupation that just wastes our time. Do you remember the account of the 12 spies that went into the promised land to bring back a report? Moses had led Israel to the promised land, but they refused to go in because of the 10 spies that brought back the bad report. A series of rebellions followed at great human cost to the people of Israel. And having dealt with all these uprisings, I imagine that Moses and Aaron had kind of had their fill of complaining. And not long after that, they moved out into the wilderness of, of Zin, and it was a dry and desolate place. And again, uh, there was no water, and then the people started complaining. So Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before God, not knowing what to do. And the Lord appeared to them, and he said to Moses, that he should take his staff and assemble the congregation and speak to the rock in front of them to yield its water. Now, I don't know when, what went on in the mind of Moses, but that seems like a pretty simple command to obey. Numbers 20 verse 10 says, Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels! Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and he struck the rock twice with his staff. And the water came out abundantly. In calling them rebels, it seems to me that Moses was frustrated and angry. 
and possibly even afraid of the people. I don't think we have any reason to think that Moses was deliberate about his disobedience, but instead of speaking to the rock, he struck it. A simple thing, but he was distracted, emotionally distracted. He was angry, he's frustrated, and he did something he shouldn't have done. But wow, what a coarse alteration that was for him. That one little act of disobedience kept him out of the promised land. Some people don't really set a course for their lives because they have no particular destination in mind. Think about the prodigal son. All he wanted to do was have his inheritance and live the way he wanted to without anybody looking over his shoulder or holding him accountable for what he was doing. He took his inheritance, moved to a strange land, squandered his wealth in reckless living, he entertained himself with pleasure until all his inheritance was gone. Or look at Samson. Here's a guy who was also pretty loose with his living. He was a proud, arrogant prankster who got himself in trouble with a crowd who had no respect for him or his God. At one point, Samson was in relationship with a woman called Delilah. The lords of the Philistines pressured her to find out the secret of his strength Day after day, she would ask, and day after day, he would string her a line and overpower the Philistines when they came to bind him. But after relentless begging and pressing him, Samson finally gave in and told her the secret of his strength. Samson was used as, by God as a judge in Israel, but his decision that day brought an end to his service because the pressure was so great and Samson did nothing to escape it. He was pressured off course and taken captive. There are many ways, these are a few, there are many ways in which we can get taken off course. Ways in which our lives get altered, get confused, and maybe even the direction of our life gets abandoned. And this is why a day like today, new beginnings, a new year, is a hopeful thing for us. Zacchaeus changed course. He turned from a swindler to a giver. The thief on the cross changed course. He turned from a mocker to a believer. The prodigal son abandoned his waywardness and returned home. Jonah, David, Nicodemus, Rahab, and many others changed course. They took stock of their lives, of the choices that they had made, the way that they were living. It took, the advantage, took advantage of the opportunity and made a new beginning. So given the opportunity, where do we start for determining a new direction for our lives? What are the criteria for setting a new course? What do I base it on? Well, it helps to know where we're coming from 
excuse me, and where we're heading. It also helps to know why we're here in the first place. And if there's anything required of us. For example, if I was a farmer, I might say that I come from a farming family and I strive to be a productive farmer and to, uh, to grow my business. I'm a farmer because my dad was a farmer, which was the opportunity afforded to me, and I'm required to provide for my family and, and give to the needy. These would all explain good reasons why I might be a farmer and why I do what I do and, and, and give, help give direction to what I'm doing. But when it comes to setting direction for our lives as followers of Jesus, where do we find our answers for that? Each person's life journey is part of a larger context. We were born into a family, a people, a society, and into a lineage that has a history and is part of the fabric of the peoples of this world. I cannot know direction for my life just by looking at my life. That will not inform me about what to do with my life and thinking about what I want. I need to look beyond my life because it does not have meaning apart from the larger context. But the larger context also goes beyond the people and societies around me. We have to answer the most basic question to have a proper worldview. The first question is, how did I get here? Where did I come from? Who put me here? We did not come into being from nothing for no reason. For some people, this question is a real conundrum, and others get deceived and accept wrong answers. But for the Christians, this answer should be really clear. It is clear. We know that there is a God in heaven and that we are created by him. Today's scripture, the one that Myron read, tells us that. Now I'll invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Paul is talking about Jesus at verse 15. And I'll read that again. Colossians chapter 1 at verse 15. He, speaking of Jesus, is the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him. Well, when we're looking to set direction for our lives, that is the answer to our first question. Where did you come from? Now, if you're following in your Bible, you will have noticed that I left something out in that verse. Let me read the last part of verse 16 again. All things were created through him and for him. Aha! A little more insight. If we were created for him, then Jesus must have something in mind for us. There must be a purpose to our lives. 
What are Jesus' intentions for my life? Getting to this question is important because it is not focused on our personal preferences, which we have no basis for other than our shifting desires, right? It's, kind of, it's, it's, it's sand. Basing your direction for your life on your own desires is like building a house on sand. <clears throat> but rather, we want to build uh, our lives on what Jesus' purpose is for it, because he has created us for a reason. And what is it? We'll answer that question in a minute, but let's observe what the following verses have to say about the one who made us. <clears throat> Again from verse 16. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus is the preeminent being. That Greek word there, translated preeminent, or supremacy, uh, in, as, it, as Myron read, means this, to be first in position, first in importance, highest in rank and prominence, to have superior status. This highest of beings is before all things which makes sense since he created all things. Therefore, he had to be before all things. His authority rules all other authorities that exist, making him all-powerful. He is the head of the body of those who follow and believe in him. And he's the beginning. And then the scripture says something really interesting here. It says that he is the firstborn from the dead. That little phrase tells us quite a few things, actually. It tells us that the living one has experienced death and has overcome its power. He reigns in life and he reigns in death. There is no place where he does not have ultimate power and full authority. We have been created by the preeminent being of the universe. The most high God, ruler of time and eternity, the ancient of days. And he created us for his own purposes. Do you think we should pay some attention to him? 
Let's see if we can find out what that purpose might be as expressed in this passage. At verse 21, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Do you know what this says? It says that we have done evil and that our evil deeds have cut us off from the preeminent being who gives life. Being cut off from life leaves you nothing but death. But Jesus died for us, for mankind, to reconcile us to God that we would not have to remain cut off. To reconcile means to establish good relationship where a relationship has been bruised or lost. Has that ever happened to you? Of course it has. And similarly, mankind had good relationship with God in the Garden of Eden, but when Adam disobeyed, mankind was cut off from God. And Jesus' death reconciles mankind to God. That act of reconciliation happens collectively for everyone, but as we know, it must be received individually. Now listen to what Paul says. I start at verse 21 again. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order, and here's the reason, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. We were made by Jesus for Jesus. Then we sinned, then Jesus died on the cross in our place for our sins to restore relationship with him so that he, the preeminent being, could present us without blemish and beyond accusation as friends of God. So having been made by him for that purpose, how might that inform the direction we set for our lives and the way in which we should live? Thankfully, he doesn't leave it all to us to figure that out, but he tells us. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. The part that is given to us to choose is to remain steadfast in faith. 
We are not to shift our hope to other things. Don't do as Solomon did, who clung to his wives in love, the scripture says, and then he let them turn his heart away from God. Don't do as Judas did, who let his love of money overpower his love for God. Don't do as many churches are doing, who have allowed their love for the praises of the world to overpower their love for Jesus and his commands. Don't accept the tainting of scripture through insidious interpretations that will skew your understanding and derail your love for the truth. This will mean standing strong, standing strong on the word of God and in the spirit of God. When your friends, your parents, your children, your siblings, maybe even your grandchildren, will want to lead you into the theological fog to yield yourselves to the spirit of this world, to bend the knee to the God of sexual perversion, to worship at the altar of human rights on which the world offers its aborted children. Don't let the curiosity of Solomon, the distraction of Moses, the desire of David, the waywardness of the prodigal son, or the carelessness of Samson blow you off course. Today is a new beginning. It is the first day of a new year. It's a new beginning filled with hope because we know the preeminent being with whom all things begin. And he has revealed his purpose for us. It is the mercy of God to give us another opportunity to either set a new course for our lives or recommit to the right one. In keeping with Jesus' goal to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before him. This is his purpose for us. What does that mean for your life? I don't know. You know your life. The Spirit has spoken to you. Are there some idols that need to be removed? We all have them. I have them and you have them. What are they? What do you love more than the Word of God? Some relationships that need to be reconciled? There might be work there for you. Perhaps there's a sin that needs to be confessed and repented of. Our lives are not about us. My life and your life is about Jesus. That choice we do not get to make what our life is for. Our choice is whether or not to walk in step with his purpose for our lives. Our choice is whether or not to walk in step with him so that our choices and the direction of our lives have meaning and lasting value when we walk 
with the preeminent being, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on earth. My encouragement to you is take some time today, tomorrow, in the days to come, and review the opportunity of this new beginning. How do you want to live this year? May the Lord bless you in this new year and guide your thinking and your living. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for being clear with us about who you are and who we are. Thank you also that you have made it clear in your word that there is nothing about us that you do not know. And so, Father, as we take this opportunity and look with hope to the future, I pray that you would have, or maybe I should say that you would guide our thinking with the words that we have heard read from your word today about your purpose for us to present us holy and blameless and without reproach. Father, you have such good intentions for us. Help us to be in step with them and to make wise choices. Hallowed be your name. Amen. The closing song we want to sing for, for today is a new one, but I think it's very fitting. It's in your bulletin called Father, Make Us One. It's based on a scripture verse in John where Jesus prays for his believers and it says, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. Father, make us one. We'll sing through it twice. If you want to listen to the first time round, that's good. And after the second round, we'll go back to the top and sing just to the middle of it where it says, Father, make us one.
Would you please stand for the benediction? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And now to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Happy New Year.